Best Boy Dan, what the hell are you doing? Trying to get the pine cones to talk. Best Boy Dan, pine cones can't talk. You saw that in an anime. Yuru Camp is a documentary. Uh, no, it's not. Come on, let's go. We have an episode to record. Best Boy Dan, what are you doing with that blowtorch? I will get these pine cones to talk. Stop it. You're going to burn Studio WEEB to the ground. Pine cones can't talk. Konnichiwa. Oh, God, it burns. Kill me now. Kill me. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Welcome to the Best Boys Podcast. I'm Best Boy Dan. And I am the entity legally recognized as Best Boy Justin. And Best Buds, do we have a cozy AF episode for you. We are going to be discussing the Yuru Camp movie, also known as the Laid Back Camp movie, also known as Comfiness the movie. Absolutely. Um, but... Yeah, but first, uh, we're going to hit you with a little bit of banter and the usual burst of news. And the first thing I want to talk about, kicking things off, is have you heard about the Mammoth Meatball? I have no idea what those two words put together mean. (laughs) Okay, so it is not a large, well, it is a really large meatball, but, but it is a meatball made of mammoth meat. That seems illegal. Um... Probably should be. They actually grew mammoth meat, uh, splicing in uh, bits of DNA from elephants okay. to fill in the like gene sequencing. And uh, they made a meatball with oh, it. That's I want to eat That's it. what science is doing. Um, so they said they're not eating it because they don't know if the like prehistoric like meat construction would be poisonous to humans or not. They're not eating it, but I absolutely am. But also Okay. Why? The reason I the entire reason I brought this up is because I've been seeing it all over the news and my question was, would you eat it? Oh one hundred percent. Whether whether they said it was a good idea or not. Listen, like I, you could I, you could very well die if you eat it. My listen, I am not one hundred percent Italian, but I have enough Italian in me that if a meatball is presented to me and you say, Listen, there is a life or death situation connected to eating this meatball. I will eat it. Okay. Well, I I don't know where I come down on the on on the fence. I guess I would probably eat it just out of sheer curiosity and also the fact that like how many people have eaten an extinct animal before. I mean, at least one fewer than there's about to be. <laughs> yeah. So, that's my first topic. Uh, my second topic is slightly more related to uh, what this podcast is about, and it's the manga I've been reading, which is Kaiju Number Eight, um, which is my manga recommendation for this week. Oh yeah, uh, it, it's pretty dope. I think it's getting an anime next year, um, and I'm not surprised by that at all. It is like a 
bog standard shonen, but it it does it really well. It's basically like Pacific Rim meets My Hero Academia is what I gather from it so far. Okay, uh, I'm like three volumes in. Um, but yeah, it's super fun if if you're thirsting for um, some shonen, uh, check it out. It's the my favorite part about it is the protagonist is. 32 years old, which is very unusual for a shonen to have mm-hmm. an actual adult as the main character. Um, I feel seen. But, yeah, it's pretty good. And and I like how they handle it because, like, the, like, hot shot, like, rookie in the class is, like, this 17-year-old little, like, blonde girl. Um, so, like, their dynamic together uh, is is pretty entertaining. That's kind of like how they did, how they handled um, chilling in my 30s after being fired from the Demon King's army. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's similar. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I would say check it out. Um, and then to kind of wrap up my last little bit of banter, uh, I watched the season finale of... Uh, my Hero Academia, and we were introduced to a new character, Stars and Stripes, and I felt very much like uh, the meme of uh, Tadano has discovered a new thrill. <laughs> Can uh, we talk for a second about <laughs> Stars and Stripes flying to Japan on top of a stealth bomber? Um, yes, that's rad. <laughs> it's rad. <laughs> what a great entrance. Like, but also, like, I wish this had happened before we did our episode on the representation of America in anime, go back and check that out if you haven't already, um, because this would be perfect for that. Oh yeah. It's like, it's such a, such a like Americana distilled into anime. And in so so many ways too, because it's not only is it just like the, the overbearing stars and stripes, the military display and all that stuff. But also it's like, oh, uh, she's already on her way because we couldn't stop her. Like we couldn't contain her thirst for freedom. And that's why like America is <laughs> already on the way. Listen, you don't have to ask America twice to come and invade another country. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. <laughs> you don't have to ask America twice. You just have to pretend there's oil. Yeah. Um, but this leads me into... My point, which is, uh, oh, I did forget about the Robert. Robert I know you did. That's why I wrote that. I invaded your banter section to remind you of what you forgot. Um, I'm. I want to talk about the My Hero Thirst because yeah. the mangaka of My Hero is a thirst taste maker. I've decided. That's right? an interesting like, term. Okay. Like he knows what the people want before the people even do like i couldn't have told you before this season that i needed uh a swole bunny girl in my life but now i know that's a thing i need um i mean i could have told you that but (laughs) but like outside like thankfully it's it's not nearly as present in the students but like the female heroes adult heroes in the show are like just thirst traps (laughs) (laughs) they are designed to like be like oh oh i didn't know i was into that but now i can never unsee that (laughs) so my my number one experience with that this season has been um the rabbit the rabbit lizard woman 
Because like I was like when yes. when she was first in the show, like when when Deku saves her or whatever, I didn't really take too much notice of her. But then in the episode where like they're at UA, I was like, oh hey, what's up, girl? Yeah, she's like six foot eight and has a dump truck of an ass, and she's and wearing like, mom jeans. I was like, I. I didn't notice that before and now I can't unsee it and yeah. that's maybe all I want to see. Yeah. But also Lady <laughs> the God was really like, I don't. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm always there for a lady with purple hair. I, I'm always there for a lady with guns. So like those yeah. two kind of things, you know. Yeah. So uh, I, and I mean, you also have the classics too. Like you have uh, Midnight, you have uh, Mount Lady, like, yeah, they know what they're doing. Uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. Um. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but moving on into my beginning of my banter section, we're also going to talk about ladies, but in a different way. Because what I want to talk about today, and Dan doesn't know about this, and he thinks he knows, but he doesn't know. Because he's, he's not as sneaky as he thinks he is. Um, I want to talk about why we like Makima. And why, but what I mean by that is why I like Makima. And I don't mean... Okay, so let me get this out of the way. I'm not a manga reader for Chainsaw Man. So while I don't know what I happens... <laughs> I, Dan is. And that's why he has this smug superiority about him right now. Can you hear it in his voice? He sounds like Giancarlo Esposito. Um, no, but the, the, the thing is, I'm not talking about like why I like Makima... As like a, a waifu. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, I know Makima has a bad turn because I'm not dumb. Uh, and I see where the anime is going. But. What? I know. Crazy, right? But what I do want to talk about is that why I like Makima as a character. And why I like Makima as a character is because she's doing something that is generally reserved specifically for male characters in anime. And that is she is exuding this kind of cool, in control aura, right? So, like, you, you generally you have these characters and they're almost never coded as as uh, feminine at all, um, where they have this kind of uh, demeanor where they are just in control. They understand what's going on. They're not phased by anything that happens. And I think that is one of the reasons why Makima is so interesting as a character is because she's taking this previously um, masculine coded uh, uh, demeanor and applying it as a woman. And I think that that is really interesting for her as a character to do. So it's like you, you, you have characters, you know, feminine characters with power in anime uh, fairly regularly like it happens like if you think about like Tsunade from Naruto characters like her but they are never coded the way the same way Makima is with this kind of coolness this in control she's unflappable uh, and I think that is one of the reasons why I enjoy Makima's character development the way the way she is she is portrayed as a character so i'm not saying like oh makima's my waifu and this is why i like her because she wears mom jeans and, and i'm also not not saying that but what i am talking about this time around is the way that they're kind of turning this this gender binary on its head and they are portraying makima as a character who has this kind of previously uh only portrayed as masculine type of coolness about her you know what i mean I can't say anything. <laughs> okay. 
I so here what I will say is that if there are any other manga readers listening to this episode, they are screaming right now. Okay. Because you you don't even fully comprehend. Uh, you don't have any clue as to what you have said in the course of that whole speech because you you said something that is Is she does, does she have a dick? <laughs> Uh, yeah, huge. Okay, massive. Cool. That's all I needed to know. Um, anyway. Yeah. Um, that's it. You found it. We um, found it. We got I, there. I, I very much, very, very much look forward to you finishing the story and then listening back to what you just said. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Um, again, I <laughs> said, that's I'm where just, I'm going to leave it. <laughs> I'm speaking as somebody who does not read the manga, so I'm only going off of what I've seen in the anime. Um, no, I, I, I will say that, like, that take is m- more important than you know okay cool uh anyway moving on um the the last thing i kind of wanted to chat about before we talk about some news is uh anime nyc because we are we are approaching the point at which we will be called upon to buy tickets again for our uh local anime convention um, and I just kind of wanted to talk about something that if you have looked into buying your ticket for Anime NYC 2023, you've definitely noticed because it was the first thing that everyone in our friend group noticed uh, and commented upon uh, when looking at these tickets. And that is that the price has increased again. Um, inflation. And it's it, you say inflation, but it's not. And I've done the math on this. It's not inflation. Um, oh yeah, this is this is hyper bullshit inflation. Exactly because okay, so I totally understood why moving in from 2021 to 2022 they had a price increase, right? Because they're selling fewer tickets to make more space because it there was a serious issue with overcrowding at the previous one, right? I get that, I totally understand that. But moving from 2022 to 2023, there is uh, you know, they're 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 dealing with the same situation they had last year, but the prices have still increased. And I'm going to tell you what their reason is for that. But first, I want to go over what the increases look like. OK, um, so for a three day pass, right, you have a 35 percent increase from ninety five dollars last year to one hundred and twenty nine dollars this year. These are all before fees, by the way. There are still. Uh, fees and taxes involved. I'm not including yeah, that. Yeah, it's almost $160 with all the fees and taxes. Yeah. So diving into that a little bit deeper, we're looking into what do you save buying a three-day pass as opposed to buying, you know, if you were to buy a Friday, Saturday, Sunday pass, right? All three separate. Um, you're saving $83 this year compared to last year. If you were to buy a three-day pass, you would save $100 over buying a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday pass together, right? Um, looking at a Friday pass, you're saving. Uh, there's a four percent increase from sixty-five dollars to sixty-eight dollars. Saturday passes have increased twelve percent from sixty-five dollars to seventy-three dollars, and Sunday passes increased nine percent to sixty-five dollars uh, from sixty-five dollars to seventy-one dollars. Now I'm going to give you their statement. For why this happened before I tell you why it's bullshit. Um, and heads up, spoiler alert, it's bullshit. Um, but this is their statement. 
In six years, Anime NYC has grown into one of the largest conventions in the U.S. Despite this growth, we've tried to keep increases to our badge prices limited, pre limited previously. But given the costs to run the current size of the show and increased costs from partners, Anime NYC needed to adjust our badge prices. New York City is the most expensive city in the U.S., and we had to increase our prices to manage the current expenses to create the event. And while Anime NYC is more expensive, we are very aware of the pricing of other Comic-Cons and Anime-Cons in major cities, and Anime NYC's 2023 pricing is comparable to these similar events. We will always try to keep Anime NYC as affordable as possible. Now, for those of you keen-eared listeners, you will notice that that is bullshit, because... This year, Anime NYC, despite the problems they've had with overcrowding in the past, is not increasing the amount of space in the Javits Center that they have available. Now, they're saying that they are making these prices comparable to similar events, and by that, what they mean is Comic-Con and other conventions that happen in the Javits Center. But the problem with that is that Comic-Con uses the entire Javits Center, okay? Anime NYC only uses one floor. But they're trying to make the the ticket prices comparable. Now I understand New York has some of the most expensive you know convention spaces available in the United States, but that doesn't mean that it has suddenly jumped by thirty five percent in the past year. Now, granted, I understand inflation is a thing. Believe me, because I buy groceries like everybody else does. But thirty five percent is ridiculous. Yeah, that's that's a huge jump. It is I, it is ridiculous, and the reasoning they've given for it does not make sense. The fact that they're trying to make their prices be on par with Comic-Con and other conventions is just doesn't scan because they're still using the same space they did last year, um, which was not the full Javits Center. Um, so I, I think for me, the thing that I find most egregious is that, like, all said and done... I don't think that $130 is too ridiculous to pay for a con. Like, yes, it's very frustrating that it's more than it was. For me, the big issue is that, like, even at that price point, they artificially limit the number of three days. Yes. Like, extensively. I remember last year, like, I was five minutes late to getting a ticket, and they were gone yeah and you look at the badges around the center and it is almost exclusively single day badges so you're not looking at paying 129 dollars, not even including the taxes you're looking at paying like what like 230 bucks for like you know each individual day if you want to go that route which is really sneakily how they're making even more money on top of that right yeah. if they made as many three days as people wanted you know and then maybe did less of the single days then i think it would be an even different story because i really doing the single days is even more greedy <laughs> yeah no i totally understand like exactly what you're saying because like if they wanted to increase prices by this amount but they weren't going to create this artificial shortage of three-day passes, then I could see that, you know? Because, you know, there are plenty of people, myself included, who like to go to more than one day of the con, you know? And if we were going to pay $129 for it, and we knew that that would be our ticket to getting into all three days, would I grumble about it? Yeah. 
but I wouldn't complain about it this intensely. But the fact that they 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 have they have the nerve to say it's $129 if you can get it and if not, good luck. You're going to have to pay about the same amount if you just want to go to 2 days. That's absolutely ridiculous. And I, you know, I think completely egregious to be entirely honest with you. Yeah, though I I would be curious to like how much Javits has like raised the rent basically like i wouldn't be surprised if if they were like yeah we're gonna charge you double this year because we're javits what are you gonna do i mean i don't know but that's the thing like i don't think that's the case because the the way convention center like the way convention pricing works is it's generally done two or three years out so like they probably had already paid for this year before last year's con started so yeah, that's a fair point. So like, I don't, I like, if they were going to expand the amount of space to be comparable with what we see from a comic con, then I could see them trying to raise prices to be comparable to what you would pay for comic con. But like, yeah. the fact is that this year, twenty twenty three, you are going to have fewer three day tickets available with the same amount of space available as last year. And you're going to be paying 35% more if you can manage to get a three-day ticket. And that is, you know, to be to be, to just completely blunt about it, 100% unacceptable. Um, yeah. Like, basically, you know, to, to kind of give you guys a peek behind the curtain, what we have to do as press, right? We still have to buy tickets because there is no guarantee that we will get press passes. They only follow they only let us know whether or not we've gotten them a month before the con. So we still have to buy tickets if we want to cover the con. Um and to be entirely frank with you, this year I don't think like previously we would buy 3-day tickets and then if we got our press passes, which we have been lucky enough to do so, we would get we what we would do is we would either sell the pa- three day passes that we had or we would give them to friends of ours. Um, this year, I don't think I'm going to buy a three day pass. You know, I, I I don't know if I can justify shelling out one hundred twenty nine dollars, especially given the fact that I might not this year even be able to go to all three days. Um, you know, and, and and then just wait to see if we get our, our press passes this year. That's, you know, that's kind of where I'm at this year. Yeah, so... Yeah, it's a decision I think everyone's going to have to make. And and we love Anime NYC. Like, it's it's one of our favorite events of the year. But it is a shame to, to see this. It's a huge shame, and especially because, like, Anime NYC, they have... I'm going to say, they have the nerve to say, like, oh, Anna, uh, the... You, New York City is the most expensive city in the U.S. Yeah, that's true. But also, like, we live here, and this is our <laughs> this is our local anime con. Like, if we want to go to an anime con that isn't this expensive, we have to leave our home city. And I think that yeah. sucks, you know. Yep. But that's it. I'm not gonna go on any further about it. We'll uh, we'll move on a little bit. But with all of our our rage out of our bodies, I think that's a pretty good time for us to check in with Studio WEEB for some anime news! That's right, best buds. We have more news than monkeys can throw feces at. Okay. Sure. I don't I don't know. It's it's always off the top of my head. It's weird. <laughs> it works. Uh, 
but yeah, uh, up front, uh, I want to talk about uh, a show that I know nothing about, um, but there's some context to it that I think is really interesting. The Chinese streaming service Billy Billy and the Japanese production company Aniplex announced uh, that they are collaborating on an animated project named To Be Hero X. Uh, Lee Hao Lin is directing the animation at Bee Dream, which is also presenting the project with Billy Billy and Aniplex. Emon Animation Company's original 12-episode To Be a Hero series ran in Japan uh, from October to December 2016. Crunchyroll streamed the series as it aired in Japan. Each episode in the series was 11 minutes long, and the sequel to the series To Be a Heroine followed in May of 2018. Li Hao Lin directed both of these previous series. Now, what I think is interesting about this, for those who don't know, Billy Billy is like the Chinese equivalent of YouTube, as YouTube does not exist there, as Google does not exist in China. Um, so that's basically like YouTube and Aniplex getting together to make an anime. And I think... That is really interesting, especially because I think that China is a really large burgeoning market for anime, and I think we're going to end up having a lot more news with regards to them in the coming years. Yeah, I mean, Billy Billy, uh, there's one other show that they've been involved with that, for the life of me, I can't remember the name of. Um, but yeah, there. I think it's really interesting that um, the Chinese entries into the market of anime, especially given kind of you know the the censorship restrictions on on anime in China, as we're all very familiar <laughs> with. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm interested to see where where this uh, where this series goes. Yeah. Um, now, speaking of interest, this is. I think one of the most interesting stories that is that has hit the internet recently. Uh, earlier this week, an indie visual novel called Tax Haven 3000 went viral on Twitter because of its absurd premise. The game promises to help you prepare your 2022 U.S. federal tax return, which you accomplish by interacting with a pink-haired anime girl named Iris. Developer MSCHF... Uh, appears to be a well-intentioned in its goal. The game's uh, itch.io page uh, comments on the flaws of the U.S. tax system as follows. Most wealthy countries make tax filing free if the burden of preparation is even passed along to individuals at all. But corporate tax filing surfaces are, by dint of extensive lobbying, predatory, parasitic bottlenecks that deliberately complicate the tax filing process in order to make it unnavigatable by ordinary people, which is 100% true. Like, <laughs> TurboTax has an insane lobbying arm that is basically, like, the IRS knows how much taxes you owe them. There's no reason we need to, like, fill this out. Yep. IRS, um, if you're listening, I shit on you. <laughs> they're not listening. It's, like, three people in a cardboard box over there. Yeah. Um... The, the game purports to simplify the process for self-prepared tax return by making it more entertaining. In another stroke of humor, the system is only suitable for single filers without dependents. The Verge reported that the game has been removed from Steam. MSCHF co-founder Daniel Greenberg told The Verge that Valve did not provide a reason for the game's removal. 
Uh, the game originally went through Steam's standard verification process and was scheduled to launch on April 4th. For all the positive buzz around the game, people have pointed out the dangers of providing your social security and financial information to an unofficial body. Although the game does not literally file the taxes for you, the game's description does not provide how much detail... Uh, uh, does not provide details about how it will handle the personal information. Um, and then I think what is the cherry on top of that is MSCHF, who I've never heard about before. Uh, you know what American, that stands for, right? Uh, mm -mm. Mischief? Ah, uh, makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> wanted to make sure those dots were connecting in your brain. Now they are. There you go. Um, uh, is an American art uh, collective known for creating Chair Simulator game, which I have to check out now. Absolutely. And Little Nas X's Satan Shoes, among other humorous products. Yeah. Um, which now I'm like really intrigued by this company because that's a hell of a resume. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be entirely honest with you, I, I also saw this, this um, news story when it first came out. And when it came out, I was filled with just immense regret that I had already completed my tax return for the year. Um, before I <laughs> yeah, realized, yeah, you wanted to give your social security well, number to yeah, like I'm, Steam. I mean, before before I, that was before I thought about it. I was like, you know, maybe I don't want to give my tax information to a Steam game. But like, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm the kind of person I file my taxes literally the second my W twos are available. Um, but yeah, this is bullshit. I mean, the 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 way. The way the tax system in America works is so predatory and ridiculous. Um, and, like, I, I love this as a way to call that out. Will it do anything? No, because TurboTax and HR Block have massive lobbying. For, they spend more money on lobbying than any other part of their business because it would be so easy for, you know, just a rogue Congress to just be like, hey, maybe we should make taxes easier to file. Um, and yeah. they they spend millions and millions of dollars to make sure that Congress people never have that that dangerous thought in their heads. It's it's really sad. And you know what? I would hate them less <laughs> if they made it uh, a uh, visual novel game. Yeah, absolutely. Like if if next <laughs> it would year make me team, enjoy tax season. If TurboTax next year has a visual novel option, you will hear me withdraw all complaints. I I really hope that the like uh, character in the visual novel is the that um, Samsung girl that never came to be oh sam yeah i know yeah <laughs> <laughs> no sam didn't have blue hair i know but that would be like a fun crossover <laughs> uh, it's not fun for me unless she has blue hair well we'll give her blue hair in our imaginations okay fair enough um and then to wrap up my little corner of the news alley is uh, is a Blue Lock theme story. Uh, Crunchyroll and Saturday's Football and the LA Galaxy Soccer Club team uh, hosted a soccer tournament inspired by the Blue Lock anime. It was held on March 25th at the New Galaxy Park Complex at the Dignity Health Sports... Yeah, Dignity Health Sports Center sports park campus in Carson, California, just south of Los Angeles. Uh, another tournament is scheduled to be held in Dallas at a later date. 
Inspired by the intense competitions depicted in the Blue Lock anime series, players engaged in a 3v3 King of the Court format across multiple fields that took place uh, over the course of 90 minutes of play. At the end of the 90 minutes, four teams uh, on the top two courts battled against each other uh, in the semifinals, with the winners going head-to-head in a final game to determine the ultimate victor. Winning teams received... uh, Blue Lock Prize X Saturday football jersey. Uh, the participants also received a free trial code to watch uh, Blue Lock on Crunchyroll. Um, but I I love this, if only for the sake of, you know, when we talked about Haikyuu, I love how it had a further reach outside of just, like, nerds watching anime. It you know, inspired people to try stuff, to try sports. Um, I And I love that anime is getting this crossover with, like, you know, the LA Galaxy Soccer Club. Like, that's pretty big. Yeah. So, um, I would love to see more things like this, you know? I'd love to see, like, um, uh, oh, God, what's the baseball anime that we love? Uh, Ace of Diamond? Ace of Di- I would love to see like Ace of Diamonds X Yankees or something. That would be pretty rad. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, this is really cool. Um, I would be. I- I'm curious about whether <laughs> the free trial code was to just watch Blue Lock or if it was just like a 30 day free trial to Crunchyroll. Because if it was just a 30 day trial to just watch Blue Lock, that would be kind of fucked up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, this is this is pretty cool. Like you said, the Haikyuu effect, um, I'd love to see it. I think it's a little bit different because the Haikyuu effect was kind of more organic, whereas this is more kind of like corporate directed. But at the same time, anything where you're getting like sports anime to transcend into real life, that is super cool and I'm all about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, moving on, we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk about some show announcements real quick before we move into my news section. And we're going to start off with uh, a little bit of Rascal news. Uh, we've got Rascal does not dream of a sister venturing out the anime film uh, revealing a June 23rd debut uh, in a new promo video. I'm so excited about this. Oh, my God. Some more episode. Wait. Yeah. Some more episode placement. If you haven't watched our ep- or listened to our episode about Rascal does uh, about Rascal Bunny Girl Senpai. Um, please go ahead and do that. Uh, but I'm so excited for this because I, I kind of know where the premise of this is going and I'm so excited. Yeah. I, more rascal makes me more happy. Uh, that show was great as a general rule. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, so with that, uh, I'm going to hit you with everything that is coming out in July and we got a whole bunch of, uh, summer news. Um, up first, uh, July 6th, we are getting season two of Jujutsu Kaisen. That's going to be huge. Um, we also got an announcement that uh, there's a new Haremia anime coming out, which this was one hell of a shocker because it's called Haremia Peace. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Best Boy Justin, but they're just kind of telling stories that they kind of skipped over in the initial 12 episodes as far as i'm aware yes there is also in the harimia manga after the point where the anime ends there is a small arc i'm not going to go into too much detail because i don't want to give anything away but there is an arc that involves a time skip 
in the the final moments of the Haremia anime and the bonus manga that or the bonus manga that comes afterwards. Um, so I, I, if if I'm correct and I could be wrong, um, but when they talk about the un the unaired parts of the manga that they're going to be animating, um, they're going to be covering some arcs that we that were missed in the anime that happened in the manga, and also a few arcs that happened in the manga after the point at which the anime ends. Um, so take that for what it's worth. Yeah, I I just I did not see this coming me neither totally by I, I would surprise. have never guessed they would have brought Harimia back i literally i saw uh, this story i woke up i rolled onto my i rolled onto my side it was a saturday morning i looked on my phone and i got the alert from anime news network like hey look new Harimia anime and i was like what <laughs> yeah um we also have news that uh story of a small senior in my company uh, is getting a July premiere. Uh, also, Mushoko Tensai, Jobless Reincarnation, Season 2 is coming in July, which I'm super excited about. And finally, we are getting the Duke of Death and His Maid Season 2 in July, which is another one I'm kind of surprised is coming back. I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, also, uh, just backpedal just a second... Uh, small senior in my company that is a really cute manga i never expected to get an anime so i'm super excited for that um best boy dan you will particularly enjoy this anime for reasons um moving on in october girlfriend girlfriend season two has announced a uh, 2023 premiere in october uh best boy dan i know you're (laughs) excited about that i have not i am it's such a weird (laughs) such a weird thruple show (laughs) Listen, as long as it works, that's fine. I don't care. Um, And then in December, we have The Spy Family coming back. Uh, Second season. We've got an October premiere for the second season, but a film debut in December uh, December 22nd. Um, So that's super exciting. No North American release as of yet, but you can imagine it probably will shortly follow the conclusion of that uh, October um, season two premiere. Um, so yeah, super exciting. Yeah, I, I'm definitely excited for more Spy Family. Always. Uh, and then, and then to, uh, pop into a little bit more ambiguous slates, um, next winter at some point, uh, we're finally getting the solo leveling anime. Uh, they dropped like a little, like, teaser clip video, um, that's going to be a real interesting one. I, I'm excited for that to hit. Uh, and then in 2024, at some point, we are going to be getting the second season of Yurusei Yatsura. Um, so yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so we got some fun stuff coming up for you in the near future. Um, talking about in the distant future, um, we have Blue Lock Season 2 plus a theatrical film um confirmed uh no release date yet but they are going to happen um the next one is one that's kind of very close to my heart my cross-dressing senpai has announced that they will have an anime adaptation this is a super cute uh it started as a um a uh, as i believe a twitter adam uh twitter manga um that later was uh serialized in a uh, magazine um really cute 
a manga about a, a cross-dressing senpai, as you can imagine from the title. Uh, we've got ReZero getting a third season. It has been announced. No release date yet, but really excited for my favorite isekai to come back. Um, and then the last one, Alia sometimes hides her feelings in Russia or in Russian light novels uh, have announced a TV anime. And from what I understand about this one, uh, I haven't read the light novels, but I understand they are incredibly cute. Um, so I'm really excited to see this one come to the big screen. No, no, play the anime girl singing it. Play it right here. Editor Best Boy Dan here. Don't you tell me what the fuck to do. I was gonna play it anyway. So now that we heard that, it's time for me to talk about my anime news for this week. Uh, and first, we've got some upcoming anime to keep an eye on, Best Buds. While there's no release date at this point, Pony Canyon, at their Anime Japan 2023 special stage event, revealed cast members for its original anime in partnership with Bakken Record, uh, the title of which is Turkey. Uh, the anime will center around bowling. Uh, and be set, yeah, yeah, and, and it will be set in Chikama City in Nagano Prefecture. Best boy, Dan, are you any good at bowling? No, I'm Me neither. I'm so bad at bowling, <laughs> uh, but I love going but, bowling. But I will watch. I will watch the hell out of a bowling anime. Absolutely, I love going bowling. I'm horrible at it. Um, the anime is being scripted by Naomi Hiruta from the live-action Seho Boys High School uh, and a Devil in Her Love Song anime with characters designed by Aidi Takekawa from Ippon Again, who you might remember from this season that just passed. Uh, Pony Canyon is in charge of music production and Bakken Record is in charge of animation, so you know that this show is going to be in good hands when it does eventually come out. Um, following yeah, that... I mean, you. You know I I stand a sports anime, so uh, I, for whatever reason, I think that like bowling stands to be like just kind of like perfectly set up for the sports anime formula if they do it right. Yeah, I think this show and also Epona again, they are threading a very fine needle it to be to be attractive to both best boys because it is a sports anime which is attractive to both of us but particularly attractive to best boy dan and it is a cute girls doing cute things anime which is of course always attractive to me um but next up we have big news from kodansha they have announced that they'll be launching a u.s exclusive manga distribution service called k manga on may 10th which is an obvious birthday present for the one and only best boy justin that's myself um the service will start as a smartphone app with a full website available at a later date um, at launch, K-Manga will feature approximately 400 titles with 70 simulpub releases of ongoing titles, which will debut on K-Manga before other platforms. Those titles include Eden Zero, Blue Lock, we talked about earlier, 
Rent a Girlfriend, Seven Deadly Sins, Four Nights of the Apocalypse, and Don't Toy With Me, Miss Nagatoro. Other catalog titles on this service will include The Seven Deadly Sins, Fire Force, and Chihaya Furu. Um, ah! Yeah, I knew you'd like that one. Um, Kodansha stated that its editorial team is managing the service. If you've been following Kodansha titles on other services such as uh, Crunchyroll and Azuki and wondering why they suddenly disappeared, this is why. Uh, check in with K-Manga for its release on May 10th to catch up with those manga that you might have seen disappear on, from those services. Um, yeah, that's a pretty ridiculous slate. Also, Kodansha's massive. Kodansha is huge, and that's why they're the fact that they're going to be featuring 400 titles is crazy. So, like, if there are that's manga a, that you've that been... released too. Yeah, and if there are manga that you've been meaning to like catch up on that you've just never gotten a chance check this out because there's a decent chance with how much of the the manga market kodansha has cornered that then it'll be on here like 400 is no joke um yeah check out chia hayafuru it's like one of my favorite stories of all time absolutely i've only ever watched the anime but now that it's going to be available on k manga i might just read the manga um yeah especially because as sad as it makes me i don't think we'll ever get a season four <laughs> i mean i'm still holding out hope but not for too much longer um but speaking of manga um we're gonna move away from big publishers for our final story we have an announcement from irodori comics uh irodori aqua indie manga label uh, the label will begin printing books starting with the first two English volumes of Yamato Nadeshko's My Wife is an Oni manga in May 2023. Again, another birthday present for Best Boy Justin. Um, the company will print a limited quantity of each volume with no plans for reprints. The manga volumes are currently available for pre-order as we speak. Um, Nadeshko launched the manga in Karakawa's Comic Flapper magazine in 2018. Karakawa published the manga's second compiled book volume in October of 2020. Um, Japanese doujinshi publisher Irodori Comics launched the Irodori Aqua label for non-erotic manga. It's weird that they specify it that way, but that's how they specify it. Uh, in December of 2019, the first four digital titles uh, released under the label were Hiroyuki's Two-timing fair and square and of girls, love, and money, Yoimachi Meme's Raincoat Kids and The Splish Splash City, and Yuki Sato's Love Letter for My Love Then and Now. Um, now, I absolutely love um, this manga, uh, My Wife is an Oni. Um, I have been reading unofficial English translations of it for a long time. Uh, I'm glad to see that it is coming to English, like, printed media. Um... So I have already pre-ordered the first two volumes. Uh, but just a heads up, the shipping cost on these is a little pricey. It's $20 for shipping for the first two volumes. Keep in mind, this is an indie label that doesn't get the same bulk discounts that a large publisher might. Um, but if that's a little too pricey for your blood, you can still catch up on this super cute manga digitally at $6.45 per volume. The first 10 volumes are out in English uh, on Irodori Aqua's website. Um, and I highly recommend that if you're into any kind of romance slice of life manga uh, and you like Oni Girls, this will do it for you. Um, but with all that being said, I think that's a pretty good time for us to move out of our news mode and kind of dive into some very warm and fluffy meat and potatoes. <laughs> 
That's right, Best Buds. We watched The Laid Back. Ba- <laughs> what did we watch? The Laid ba- the Back Camp movie. Um, also known as the Eurocamp movie. Um, you will definitely hear us bounce back and forth between those two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, let's give you a little bit of background. It comes to us from Studio C Station. Uh the they also did the other two seasons of Eurocamp. They did a show called Hey a Camp, which we just learned about, um, which is a spin-off of Eurocamp, and a show called Hakyu Hoshin Ingi. Uh it comes to us from director Hoshiaki Kyogoku, uh, who did some episodes of Kroko's Basketball and Tokyo Ghoul. Screenplay is by Jin Tana. Tanaka and Mutsumi Ito. Why am I reading all of these? I don't know. I was going to read uh, it, but then you did it, so keep going. You can do the synopsis. All right. Uh, music is done by Akiyuki Tateyama, uh, who did Shimonetta, A Boring World Where the Concept of Dirty Jokes Don't Exist, uh, which is a very funny show. Also, Eurocamp, Heya Camp, and How the Realistic Hero built, uh, Rebuilt the Kingdom, as well as Bananya. Um, which is a anime about a cat slash banana. Um, and it is based off the manga, manga by Afro. Um, that's right. And the one that you it, missed it, was cinematography by Hiroaki Tanaka. Um, yes. Uh, I also, I will say everyone does a great job in this. Uh, Akiyuki, uh, Tateyama, the, uh, creator of the music is, a special kind of genius. Absolutely. The music in this show, uh, well, the show and also the movie is fantastic. Uh, But let's talk a little bit about the synopsis. And again, um, you know, before we get too far into it, best buds, this, this is a movie based on the, um, the television anime, uh, Eurocamp, also known as Laidback Camp. Um, So if you're, if you feel like we might be talking about characters that you don't know anything about, that's why, um, but the synopsis- I would say you could you could watch the movie without having seen the show, but you'll definitely get more out of it if you've seen the show. Yeah, I would I would say definitely you would get a significant amount more of, out of it if you have already seen the show, which we highly recommend. I love this show. Um, but, it's probably my favorite slice of life, hands down. Yeah, but let's talk about the synopsis a little bit. As time marches forward, Rin Shima, Nadeshko Kagamihara, and their friends have grown into a full-fledged adults. Now with careers and responsibilities, they can no longer freely spend their days camping and adventuring. However, Chiaki Ugaki, who currently works for the Yamanashi Tourism Organization, reunites the group as she comes up with an exciting proposal to build a campground together to revitalize an abandoned patch of land from their home place, the Yamanashi Prefecture. Motivated by this ambitious project, the girls combine their efforts to create an environment where future generations can enjoy unique moments as they once did, all while reminiscing the charms of camping from their high school days. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, if you're familiar with Eurocamp uh, or Laid at Camp, as it's known in English, um, this uh, movie will not be a huge shock to you character-wise. The big <laughs> shock will be the fact that they're all grown up in this um, movie, which is interesting because it does take place in the future, but there is still going to be a Eurocamp season three where they are still high schoolers. 
Um, so this is kind of like it gives you an extra little glimpse into their future before we go back into the new season of uh, Yuru Camp. Yeah, I I think what is especially interesting about this show is like or the movie is that the show is very much like a slice of life. It's these stories about them going camping, they go on different trips, but there's not like you know, a beginning, middle, and end, like the kind of way a movie is structured. Um, it's just like they kind of just tell this continuous story about these uh, these girls and, and their love of camping. And so if you asked me before I watched this, like, what do you think the plot of the movie is going to be? Like, I could not have guessed in a million years. But what they ended up settling on, I loved because it just works so perfectly for the message of the show yeah absolutely and and, you know we're going to talk more about this when we go in depth into the writing and the story concept of this movie um but the one thing like going into watching this movie the thing i thought it would suffer from more than anything is the same thing that slice of life uh anime that get a film tend to suffer from the most which is that the movies tend to feel more like um, three or four episodes of the show strung together in an OVA format. And that is absolutely not what we get out of this movie. This movie is a very interesting and self-contained two-hour story that does not just feel like a couple episodes of the show strung together. It has a very concrete beginning, middle, and end, and is well, very well done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, with all that said, I, I think it's probably best that you know we just get into uh, the official best boy rating system known as Bob. That's right. And uh, some people have been asking if Bob is an acronym for something, and the answer is no. But it is short for something, uh, and that something is Robert. Yeah. So up first is visuals, which account for 25 points, and those uh, specifically cover animation and character design. So... So let's talk about the visuals. Um, You go first. So, okay, so it's tricky, right? Because, like, if we're talking about character design... You know, we have been with these characters uh, for two seasons already. Um, I don't think, like, everyone has their kind of own individual look to them. That's pretty solid. I like the new character of the Afro guy. Um, I like the Flesh Fang girl, but, like, uh, they're not, like, mind-blowing character designs. They're just they're serviceable so okay so here's the thing two things on that number one um the flesh fang girl whose name is uh chiaki ogaki the thing i really enjoy about her character design is the fact that her eyebrows show through no matter what she's wearing on her head so like even if she's wearing a beanie that covers her eyebrows her eyebrows show through it and i appreciate that um but moving on from that, I think th- this is kind of a, a, an example of where our um, rating system is a little bit lacking because we're talking about visuals with things we have um, the things we have highlighted are animation and character design, and I think that is not where Yuru Camp excels visually. 
Visually, I think Eurocamp excels in its landscapes. They're not necessarily animated, (laughs) and they don't have to do with character design. But as I've talked about with Eurocamp as a TV show, Eurocamp as a movie, kind of in the same vein, it is an outlet for the artist to express their love of Mount Fuji in various uh, landscape drawings that are absolutely stunning. (laughs) Yes, until AI takes over the job. And I think that is something we have to consider under this category because the animation in this show is fine. There is some CGI that has to do particularly around cars and other vehicles that is a little yeah, vehicles meh, but they like use it almost exclusively for vehicles show. yeah I, I mean so to wrap up my thought on character design the one thing i will say is that i do like how they handled them getting older because they very much look like the same characters but older yeah um especially nadeshko nadeshko's older character i think was handled really well yeah um, but I, I think you're absolutely right. Like, this is not the show you're watching for well-animated, like, scenes. You're This is the show you're watching to see the sunrise over Mount Fuji and be like, fuck, that's beautiful. Like, there are definitely moments in the show where you get that sense of wonder uh, when you actually look out over a scenic vista. Um, but in animation form. And the fact that they can make you feel that um, through animation is is pretty amazing. Absolutely. So best boy Dan, where, where do you land on the visuals for this? We have 25 oh, points to play with. What are you, what are you thinking? It's tough, right? Because this is not like, you know, a bubble or a penguin highway, you know, something that does just kind of like, unbelievable things like it's hard to even compare with that i would say i mean like part of me wants to say like 15 15 okay that's interesting i i think i would probably go again considering the fact that we have not in our 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 considerations included landscapes but considering landscapes as a part of the visuals I would kind of lean a little bit higher as maybe like a 22. Uh, how about we settle with like a, a like 19 or a 20? I I think I would be okay with a 20 because I think the, the landscapes are so beautiful um, that, yeah. that I would have trouble giving it less than a 20. So I think a 20 is probably good. Okay. Moving on, sound. And I have huge thoughts on this one, actually. Um Pinecone sound effects, best sound effects. The pinecone sound effects, yeah. No, I think, okay, so I have a lot of thoughts on this, but I'm going to start with just one very concrete thought that I had, and that is um, that the sound design is done really well, and especially the, the Rin's motorcycle feels... The sound, okay, have you ever been around motorcycles, Best Boy Dan? Are you, are you like, is that a part of your life at all, or? I mean, I live in, in New York, so I hear them all the time. Okay, but you've never been, like, really close to a motorcycle, right? No, I have, I've been close to a motorcycle. Okay, so, like, I, I kind of grew up around motorcycles. My mom was huge into motorcycles. My stepfather was big into motorcycles. Rin's motorcycle sounds so much like a real motorcycle that it is it it took me aback when i first listened to it it's got this kind of really 
bassy, super really well done vibrato. Um, the sound specifically for Rin's motorcycle just was so arresting every time I heard it. Like every time I heard it, I knew exactly what it was. I was like, that's a motorcycle. Like I feel that in my core. Um, so that's like kind of the first thing I wanted to talk about under sound uh, for this movie. What did you think, Best Bunyan? Yeah, I I would definitely agree with that. Um, I think, you know, just kind of like going through it, the voice acting was great. The sound design was great. All that sort of stuff. None of that matters to me when we're talking about sound because the score is so unbelievably good. This is an easy 25 points for me. Um, like, no no deductions. Like, Yuru Camp is a feel when it comes to music. Like, the show's soundtrack is something that I have listened to on repeat many times. And I encourage people to do it, especially, like, you know, while you're working. It's, like, just a great, you know, kind of chill thing to have in the background it's this unbelievable like it has kind of this almost like scottish vibes to it um and a lot Scotland! of times like, <laughs> um but just the like the music especially in combination with like mount fuji and the mountains and the campsite like brings life to these scenic vistas and really makes the places that they're camping come alive in in kind of an indescribable way. It's like almost something that you have to like see together. I, I, I honestly think if you did sound by someone else, the show would not be nearly as good. I, I think the the music in it is just some of the best out there period end of story <laughs> absolutely i i 100 agree with you and i think it's actually really interesting that you brought up specifically the kind of the kind of scottish the kind of highlands nature of the music in this show because to me the thing okay so obviously it has the classic euro camp music feel that is above and beyond anything we've ever heard in another anime but the thing that really grabbed me from the music of this show was the very first, uh, like, in-movie in music that we heard, which was this kind of, like, bassy Spanish guitar kind of music that was accompanying somebody, like, driving somewhere. Um, and, like, I, I think to me what that represented was like, yes, obviously we have the the Yuru Camp music as we've always loved and enjoyed it, but they are expanding their range a little bit for the movie, um, adding some kind of bassier, upbeat kind of uh, tunes to it that I think really kind of hit the ear just right. 
Um, and I think you're absolutely yeah. right. Like as much as I want to talk about, as much as I can talk about like the sound design around Rin's motorcycle and the way that also Rin's moped, uh, spoiler alert, it comes into play in this movie as well. Um, the, the way that they kind of differ and play off of each other just for the music alone. We could absolutely give this show a twenty, uh, this movie a twenty-five out of twenty-five points, um, and I think that's where we're gonna land on this one. Yeah, the easy. Like if I could give it extra points past twenty-five, I would. Um, but that's not how Bob works. That is not how Robert works. Um, <laughs> moving on. Speaking of how Robert works, um, OP and ED again on sound. They were fine. They were great. Um, not nothing too remarkable. Again, as usual for Eurocamp, the in the in show songs really kind of steal the the highlight away from the OP and the ED, and that's not a bad thing uh, at all. Um, but moving into the story, this I think is the part where it really um, separates itself from other anime movies in the slice of life genre. Um, again, as I mentioned off the jump, most of these movies in the slice of life genre tend to feel like three or four episodes of the show kind of tacked on together. Um, whereas this show really kind of comes together with an initial offering, um, you know, a heightening action, a climax and, um, falling action, the kind of story you want to see out of a concrete two hour long movie, um, do you want to talk a little bit about the writing here, Best Boy Dan? Yeah, so I I think it is a deceptively complicated script when yeah. you really think about it. Um, because, you know, you have the basics to it, right? Like they want to um, create this campground that they have this opportunity to remake. Uh, obviously, there's going to be, you know, with any story structure, there's that that inciting incident that uh, prevents them from getting their goal and then there's a resolution at the end right but when you really think about the structure of what they're doing they're taking you know four or five people right or four people and these are adults with jobs that they take the time to you know flesh out which i love right like you get little glimpses of where they all end up and they're really well fleshed out too it's not just like oh they do this like it works with their character it adds to the um way the story is told so you have these adults with their lives and i think in in any lesser anime they would just like have them all working together all the time to accomplish their goals but what I love about this is that they'll have different combinations of the girls working together because sometimes someone's going to be busy. They have adult things to do. They have work, that sort of thing. You'll see like two or three of them working at a time and then like someone will come when they have some free time to do some work. And the fact that the attention to detail was put into that and then it was woven to make the story work as well as it did, I think is actually a really deceptively difficult feat that they've pulled off. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right on that. And you kind of touched upon one of the things that I, I really enjoy about the the writing and the concept of this um, of this movie 
And that is that it kind of uh, it, it plays off of the the initial commentary of Yuru Camp is um, kind of the importance of and the impact of getting exposure to the natural world around you as a child uh, while you're growing up. Right. Um, and it kind of emphasizes these. Uh, it, it, it kind of hits differently for a Japanese audience, obviously, than a, than a, a Western audience. But um, the importance of going to these different places that have maybe different local specialties to your own, they have different local dialects and so on and so forth. But overall, the importance of being exposed to the outdoors um, in your youth and the way that translates to the movie as... Um, where you see kind of this juxtaposition between people who are, you know, they have a career, they are they are establishing themselves in the adult working world, but also like the degree to which they they find themselves maybe unsatisfied with their careers in certain ways, the way they integrate their careers in with the things that they enjoy doing in their leisure time. Um, and I think that is a really important juxtaposition for the message between the television anime and the the film, um, especially given that the film focuses on adulthood as opposed to kind of this high school um, adolescence. Um, and I think the film handles that really well. Like you kind of see, you get to see Rin, she is establishing herself in her career in publishing um, and in journalism, but she's not fully satisfied. She doesn't feel like she's getting who she is in her work to a significant degree until this kind of opportunity presents itself to her. Um, and like the, the way that they manage to weave those together, I think makes for a really interesting story and a really interesting commentary on like, you know, kind of like adult life and adult, like how you, balance your work and your and your personal life um but yeah i think it's interesting that they they specifically chose to focus on the adult like story because this very well could have just been like another you know story within the time frame of the show but i think putting it outside of there gave it the impetus for a story to tell that warranted, you know, a two-hour telling of it and not just, you know, a th you know, four-episode OVA sort of deal. Absolutely. And I think before we move on from, before we, you know, we, we put a bow on the story section of this, uh, of this rating system that we affectionately know as Bob, short for Robert, um, I think we should talk about the characters a little bit because one of the things that I was worried about when like and especially because they kind of almost presented it as kind of like a little bait and switch or a little bit of a tease is um, how the characters develop specifically my waifu the teacher Miss Chug uh, who I love dearly um, and I was kind of worried that they were going to be like when when they when they 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 see her in adulthood she was going to be like oh like i don't drink anymore i've matured i don't you know i don't need to drink but no she is still a very mature and she is uh she's still a teacher um she has matured as a teacher as kind of a um not i don't want to say a role model but like a um 
<laughs> like necessarily like uh, what's the word I should use? She's a mentor. She's a mentor. To, to Ogaki, who is the girl with the flesh fang who has become a teacher herself. Um, she's she has emerged as a as a mentor to her, but still kind of remains true to her core I character. Mean, she's also like a, a drinking mentor to Akari. Exactly. So like you have you have this juxtaposition is <laughs> like she she is a teaching mentor to Ogaki. Um but she is like the the drinking, the Miss Chug mentor to Inuyama, who is the the girl who becomes like kind of the the drinker of the group, a woman after my own heart. Um, uh, I love her uh, as a character as well. Um, Best boy Dan, what do you think about some of the characters that we have going on here? Yeah, I think I touched on this a little bit before too, but like I I love how everyone ended up right like you have um rin who is a writer you have nadeshko who it works at like a camping supply store you have chiaka who is um a teacher and like uh and does it I forget what Akari does. So Akari was um, initially she was she worked in marketing and then she left that to to become like the public relations person for like the prefecture um that yeah. she comes from. Yeah. And and like that they all you can totally see that being where they all end up. Um and I love the fact that they spend a little time with each of them not just in the context of this story, um, but also, like, uh, just within their, like, lives as adults. Yeah, so, I mean, we've had two seasons to get to know these characters, and I think in the course of these two hours, I feel like I got to know them even better, which is really the best you can ask for for, for a movie adaptation. Absolutely, and I think one of the one of the as far as the characters who I adore the most, obviously, like we've talked about, like we we joke about my wife who was Miss Chug, but the character who I really enjoy and the one whose uh, whose uh, progression I really enjoy is Nadeshko, um, because she's just so happy, she's so vibrant, she's so full of life, and that has so seamlessly translated to her as an adult as well. Um, and I think that, like, as far as my favorite character goes, we're not talking about waifus or anything like My favorite character is definitely Nadeshko. Um, and she has been treated so well in this film, uh, as they all have, of course. But it's just she stands out to me so much because, again, like, you start with this character who's kind of an airhead and she's a goofball. And, like, she says at, like, you know, her, her, her goal is like, oh, I want to get my driver's license, which... In Japan, again, that is a thing that not everybody does. Not everybody in Japan has their driver's license. It's kind of difficult to get. Um, but we see, you know, like despite the fact that she's kind of an airhead, she's a little bit of a goofball, but she has a goal that she wants to achieve, and she achieves it. And also she drives like a Hummer, which is kind of funny to me. But kind of it makes sense given the fact that she's like so totally 100% in on her hobby, which is camping um, and she she wants to kind of build her life around that, and I think that is really beautiful um, and a really wonderful bit of character development. Yeah. So, story thirty points. 
the big the big subject. Yeah, I'm thinking like a solid twenty eight. I you know what I was actually also thinking exactly twenty eight. So I think we can knock that we can notch that in at twenty eight and be pretty good. All right. And that brings us to the subjective section, where we each get 10 points to dole out. Yeah. Um, do you want to start with this one, Best Boy Dan, or should I start? Go for it. I'm going to go with 10. This this film was everything I wanted out of, a, out of this film. Like, I was not disappointed at any point. And to be entirely frank with you, if the pine cones talked... It was gonna get a ten from me, and they talk, <laughs> so it's got a ten from me. <laughs> also, for for what it's worth, her her motor her her motorcycle also talked. So like, yeah, it's a ten from me. Uh, I loved this movie. Yeah, uh, I think I'm gonna give this a nine. I I also thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Um, you know, I I don't see I for me like. A 10 is, like, you know, an Academy Award winning, like, you know, high honors, high concept. Like, this is truly unbelievable. Um, And I think this was great and did all the things I wanted. It just doesn't have that, like, groundbreaking thing that makes it a 10 for me. But uh, for me, I think a 9 is still a really great, great get. Well, I think this movie deserves an Academy Award. So that leaves us at a 19. Just for music, absolutely. <laughs> that, that leaves us at a 19 out of 20 for subjective points. And by my math, which could be wrong, but isn't in this case, because why would it be? I'm a professional, I'm not a hack and a fraud who didn't use a calculator in between these takes or anything like that. That leaves us with a 92 out of 100. For yeah. uh, for for your camp, the movie Best Boy Dan. How do you feel about that? A ninety-two. That's an A. Yeah, uh, I I feel like that's pretty solid. Like A minus is exactly what I would give this if I were grading it. So, oh, well, I think I think you got it. Well, the college I went to didn't have A minuses. We had A's and A pluses, which leaves this as an A, and I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. Everyone, go camping. Watch this movie. Absolutely. Maybe only watch this movie. Maybe don't go camping depending on where you live. Because some places in the Appalachians have bobcats and they sound like skinwalkers being murdered. And that's kind of terrifying. <laughs> but like, if you don't live there, maybe also go camping. I loved this movie. It's an A. Go watch it. I, I also like how you're afraid of bobcats. And then when I think of bobcats, I'm like... That's like the least scary thing that was around when I was growing up. <laughs> I'm, okay, so I'm not afraid of bobcats in particular, but I am afraid of the noises that they make. Have you ever heard the noises they make? <laughs> no, but my dog once chased one up a tree. They sound like people dying. Don't YouTube it. Don't YouTube it. Like, you remember when I told you not to Google something and you Googled it and it was bad? Yeah, it was don't really bad. don't YouTube this because there are people who who mistake bobcat noises for skinwalkers, and there's a reason why because they sound like people being murdered. So don't don't YouTube it. But anyway, moving <laughs> away from things that you're not going to YouTube. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Best Boys. Go ahead, 
Um, let us know what you think about Yuru Camp. If you saw the movie or if you just watched the show, let us know. Hit us up on Instagram at bestboys underscore pod. You can send us an email at thebestboyspod at gmail.com. We would absolutely love to hear from you. Don't forget to rate us five stars. Review us. Let us know what you think about us. Um, subscribe. Set your auto downloads because those first day downloads are huge. And uh, again, thank you very much for tuning in. We look forward to seeing you again in two weeks. Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa.